Christian Yelich joining Greg Matzik earlier in the week down in Arizona. We're going to hear from Lane Grindle coming up in just a few moments. This is the countdown to opening day. Stay tuned. The countdown to opening day continues. The parking lot's empty. The seat's vacant. Get your beer here. Ice cold beer. It's here. Get your beer. Uh, no one's here. Just open one for myself. Don't mind if I do. But finally, the words we've all been waiting to hear. It's almost opening day. Yelich, two strikes. The pitch. Hit in the air to deep center. Way back. Get up. Get out of here. Gone for Kristen Yelich. This is the Brewers' Countdown to Opening Day Special. Our preview of lineups, rotations, and all things Brewers. And now, batting leadoff, here's your host, Pat Pauley. One hour down, two more to go. Welcome back into the program. We've got another uh, hour just filled with conversation about the Milwaukee Brewers. What's going to happen in the outfield with Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr., especially when they're both healthy? Especially when it comes down the stretch of the season where you kind of want to have that core lineup that you go with on almost an everyday basis. It's good. It's a good problem to have. That's the cliche, right? It's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a good problem to have, but we're going to touch on that this hour. We're going to try to predict what the final roster is going to look like. Honestly, at this point, there's been some developments. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach's been told that he's going to make the team. Uh, Justin Tope is going to start the season on the injured list. This is all things that these are all things that have happened here, uh, really over the last day or so. So I don't think, I don't think it takes. Uh, I think the roster, what it's going to look like, is is pretty sure. There's there's not a lot of big questions, but we'll break that down coming up uh, this hour. Also, want to touch on something that I think is really going to be interesting as we go through the year. Last year in a 60-game season, when things weren't going right, you had to cut bait early because there wasn't enough time to let guys kind of play out the issues. We're back to 162 games this year. What's it going to be like going from a year last year where when there was adversity, you couldn't just kind of let it play out. You had to deal with it very directly to going back. Is that going to be is it going to be easy for teams to just jump back into it and kind of be the way it's always been or is that is it just going to is it going to feel like you know just kind of arduous in how you go from what happened last year to this year I want to touch on that later on in the hour as well a couple guests this hour Vinny Rotino a former brewer and uh, now part of the uh, Brewers TV broadcast he'll join us uh, near the bottom of the hour but right now we're very happy to uh, welcome on uh, the one of the other Brewers radio broadcasters of course you hear Brewers games on WTMJ throughout the course of the year let's bring on Brewers broadcaster Lane Grindle Lane appreciate Appreciate you taking uh, the time. We're just a few days out from the start of the season. Yeah, it feels really good, doesn't it? I mean, you think about where we were a year ago at this time, and we didn't know when baseball was going to be played again. And to come back here and have really a very smooth spring training um, with very few hiccups, fans in the stands, it just feels so great to, to be inching closer and closer to normal. There's been a lot of talk about the fans, and you, you hear from players and you hear from Craig Council and there, there seems to be this almost not that they weren't appreciative before, but almost this newfound appreciation for what fans actually bring to any given baseball game. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't know that anybody ever has taken granted. I think you always appreciate the fans, but I think it's just a totally different level of appreciation once 
once you, you play without them. Um, it's such a it was such a weird year last year. It was a shortened year. It was a small sample size, and then you did it all without anybody in the stands. And there were these kind of eerie moments, Matt. You can remember some of these. Where like, you know, maybe the 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 artificial crowd noise would go out for half inning and everybody's kind of staring at each other. Or, you know, the, the, the moment opening weekend in Chicago when there wasn't any crowd noise and, and the two dugouts could hear each other and, and, and pretty soon they're, you know, they're talking maybe in, in more stern ways back and forth to each other because they can hear each other. It was just different. And I think to have the fans back, feed off their energy, to have that interaction with fans, I think you forget how much players interact with the fans in the stands too. You know, throwing them a baseball or, or just kind of talking to them when you're in left field and they're sitting out in the left field bleachers, whatever it may be. Those are the little things that you just kind of had gotten used to as a normal part of your every day, and then they were gone. And I think the fact that that so much of that is back now and going to continue to be back in in a larger and larger way as we move forward, hopefully, uh, it's just. It really, it's a relief as much as anything that uh, we are going to get back to this place that we were in before. And, and boy, you know, I think we have just a completely different level of appreciation for it. Too. You go into any spring training and there's, there's a bunch of questions you want to do your best to be able to answer as a club. And, and this year going into spring training, third base was a question. Probably the back end of uh, the rotation was a question. How it's all going to work out in the outfield with Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr. being on the team questions. As, as you personally kind of had the, okay, I want to see this, this, and this from this team during spring training. Ha- have you seen, for the most part, have a lot of those questions been answered as much as they can be during Cactus League play? Yeah, I think so. I think everything we see down here and we talk about down here, we always have to, you know, put the caveat uh, or the disclaimer at the front end of it because it's not the regular season. It's not the same thing. Guys aren't playing every day. They're not playing for nine innings. Uh, they're sometimes not seeing major league pitchers, depending upon when those at-bats come. And so I think you have to take everything to a degree with a grain of salt. But one of the things you can do is see how guys look and uh, how their stuff is playing when they're on the mound. And and I think all those things have been overwhelmingly positive with this team. I said on the on the air this week um, with you that I feel like in my six years here, this has a chance to maybe be the most complete team at the break of spring training, getting ready for opening day, as the Brewers have fielded. And that includes the 2018 team. Because remember, Mike Moustakis wasn't on that team yet. Joaquin Soria wasn't on that team yet. Um, Gio Gonzalez wasn't on that team yet. Jonathan Scope wasn't on that team yet. So... Um, the Brewers got better that year with some uh, transactions they made at, at both of the deadlines that year. And they were a really good team before that, obviously, too. But I think this team, because of how elite I think they have a chance to be defensively, Matt, um, how elite they're going to be at the back end of their bullpen. And I think just in general, the bullpen is going to be one of the top bullpens in the National League. And then, uh, obviously, I feel really strong about the rotation, especially one and two. And I think Freddie Peralta is poised to have a big year. But then I think what we've seen that we needed to see more than anything is guys looking like themselves yeah. at the plate, looking more like the, the back of their baseball cards at the plate. Christian Yelich definitely has been that guy. Um, and then Omar Narvaez has looked so much more like the offensive catcher we thought the Brewers were getting when they acquired him. And Avi Garcia has had a really good spring. And and, and we really haven't talked a ton about him this spring because, you know, the Brewers go out and they sign Jackie Bradley Jr. And 
we talked about Avi a little bit early on in camp, but it was kind of slowed down talking about how big of a role he could have for this team. I, I like this offense. I don't know that it's going to be the top offense in Major League Baseball, but I think it's going to take a huge step forward from where it was last year. And I think the other part about this offense that shouldn't be overlooked is the balance. Uh, there's a really good right-to-left balance in this offense, and I think that's going to pay off big time for Craig Council as the season goes along, too. The word I've probably used the most this offseason is the word bounce back because uh, the guys you just mentioned, Nervaez, Yelich, Garcia, we could put Keston here in that group. We could put Lorenzo Cain mm-hmm. in the sense they didn't play last year. We could put Travis Shaw comparing to when he was last a Brewer. But it there is nothing crazy to think that all these guys could legitimately have a, a bounce back season. Most of those guys do have a track record saying they're going to revert back to who they were prior to last season. Yeah, and remember, for most of these guys, they had career-worst years. I mean, we're not just talking about they didn't live up to the expectations they had established for themselves. I mean, Narvaez hit 176, and uh, Lorenzo King didn't play, and uh, Abiseo Garcia hit two home runs in a 60-game season. We, We think he has more power than that, obviously. And Christian, actually, when you really dive into the numbers, he maybe didn't have as disastrous of a year as it looks when you look at the batting average, you start looking at all the other numbers and you go, okay, well, he was still a pretty effective hitter overall. It just wasn't 2018 and 2019. And I mean, he's set such a ridiculous standard for himself, but I think he's going to take a big step forward too. So no doubt, I think you're looking at bounce back years from those guys. And with Travis Shaw, you don't even have to have the 2017, 2018 version of him. Um, you just need a guy that can come hit 240 and, and, and hit double-digit home runs and, and, and drive in a few and play solid defense at the corner. And those are the things you're looking for from Travis Shaw, and I think you're going to get that. And I think it's early to start proclaiming that he's all the way back and he's going to be the guy he was his first couple of years of the Brewers. But I can tell you this much, he looks good. The body language is really strong. I had a chance to talk to him one-on-one via Zoom last week. And I don't know that I've ever, you know, experienced Travis on this level of just, I mean, he, he is really engaged right now. And he's talking about how good he feels and how excited he is to be back with, with the Brewers. I think he's gone through a lot of growth with his struggles in 19 and then going to Toronto last year. And that was just a challenging year for any of those players in Toronto last year, going to Buffalo and basically being on the road for the entire season. And I just think Travis has a different perspective. He's a little different guy. Um, coming back here in 2021 with the Brewers, and I think he's ready to get after it too. So uh, I'm excited to see what this team's going to be able to, to accomplish. I think it's a, a pretty complete team, um, and it's certainly a team that with they're in it at the deadline, a couple of moves here or there can really make them a complete baseball team. And I like their chances in the Central. I really do. Yeah, I, I would agree with that 100%. All right, Lane, great stuff. Uh, look forward to seeing you at the ballpark. It's going to be uh, good to be there for an entire season, and we can't wait to see you uh, in just a few days. Hey, Matt, can't wait. Uh, it's going to be so much fun to get back to the ballpark and just get back to Milwaukee in general. Brewers radio broadcaster Lane Grindle joining us here on the countdown to opening day. want to touch on the starting pitching a little bit for just a moment. And the most recent development was Jordan Zimmerman after he was uh, released from his minor league contract. He was signed to another minor league contract. There's basically funky baseball rules that exist. 
if you're a guy that's got a certain amount of major league time and you're on a minor league deal in camp and you don't make the major league team, but you're offered a chance to stay in the organization, you have to be paid out $100,000. But if you release them and then re-sign them, you don't have to pay them the $100,000. It's a funky rule that exists. So that that's, that's why Jordan Zimmerman was released from a minor league contract and then a day later signed to another minor league contract. But the fact that they did bring him back says a lot about something we've been talking about all year. Uh, we joked about this on, on Brewers Weekly this past week, Thursday nights, 8 to 9, WTMJ. How many starting pitchers are going to be used by the Brewers this year? Now, you know what you're going to get at the top of the rotation when it comes to Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. You, you just know. You know what you're going to get from those guys. I think you know what you're going to get from Brett Anderson. Now, just because you know what you're going to get from those guys doesn't necessarily mean you know how much you're going to get it, meaning we're still going to see the team being very careful with innings pitch, pitches thrown all year long coming off a 60-game season. But after that, there's, there's just question marks for me. Again, this goes back to track record. The Brewers don't have another guy on the roster with the track record of someone who's just been able to take the ball every fifth day and have a high level of consistency. At times, Adrian Hauser has been really, really good, but he has not yet kind of punched through that young pitcher wall of going from a guy who's sometimes good, sometimes isn't, to a guy who you can really count on more often than not. It's a new Freddie Peralta. Consistency issues there. Consistency issues with uh, a Josh Lindblom, with an Eric Lauer. Uh, Brent Suter is somebody who you're not going to have starting every fifth day. It's, 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 it's not a bullpen game, but it kind of is when he gets to start. Drew Rasmussen's another guy who I would think is probably going to be a starter at some point this year and maybe be a three-inning kind of guy. Uh, Blaine Hardy somebody who's going to start the season at the alternate training site. Craig Counts talked about uh, him recently as being kind of in that role as Brent Suter, who they'll try to stretch out to get multi-innings out of. That means there's a good chance that he might get a start this year. Jordan Zimmerman's going to be fully stretched out, so if they need a guy to start, he's going to be there. There's going to be a ton of guys, and we haven't even talked about young guys. Does Aaron Ashby get up late and make a start this year? Probably. Uh, does a does Zach Brown, does Thomas Jenkins, those kind of guys, are they, are they going to make starts? Quite, quite possibly. There's going to be a lot of guys who start games this year. And whether it's legit starters or whether it's bullpen games, at the end of the season, when we're looking at the end of the season stats and we go to the GS category, the game started, there's going to be a bunch of guys there. And if there is a question mark on this team, I do think the back end of the rotation is a little bit of a question mark because you don't have a lot of proven guys in spots four, five, six, and beyond. Now, I'll add this caveat. Not many Major League Baseball teams do. Very few uh, do. Go look at who the fifth starter is on even teams you expect to be in the playoffs this year, maybe outside of the Dodgers. Uh, but go look at who the fifth starter is going to be on most teams and it's not guys who have these long Major League Baseball track records. But for the Brewers to be as good as they want to be this year, you're gonna, you really need an Adrian Hauser to be that guy who can take the ball every fifth day. You need Freddie Peralta to be the guy that he's been in spring training and be able to do that over the course of an entire season. You need Josh Lindblom to find that consistency, the reason that they originally signed him. 
so on and so forth. We can say that about a good number of guys. 855-616-1620, 855 is the Yankee Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can also tweet in at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. One of the more compelling narratives about the 2021 Brewers is how it's going to play out with Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr. on the roster at the same time, playing in games, and then even the trickle-down effect of that, of how it's going to impact Avisael Garcia. We'll dive into that coming up in just a moment as we count down to opening day. You're listening to Countdown to Opening Day. This is the Countdown to Opening Day. Counting down to opening day. That's coming up on Thursday. Brewers and Twins. Full coverage on WTMJ and, of course, across the Brewers radio network. My name is Matt Pauley. I come your way following Brewers games on WTMJ with Brewers Extra Earnings. One of my co-hosts, Craig Kashan, is going to join us in just a little while as uh, we'll talk about uh, the Brewers this upcoming year. A lot to get to between uh, now and still about another hour and 40 minutes here on the program. I think... Um, there's a lot of storylines, which is perfect, right? Like, and this is probably true for most baseball teams, but I feel like with this Brewers team, there are so many storylines going into the year. Now, it's good because there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Maybe it's not good because that means there's a lot of questions to be answered, and if there's questions to be answered, that means questions can be answered the wrong way and, and things can go wrong. I don't expect that to happen so much this year, but a lot of questions. And one of the questions is going to be, How will Craig Council divvy up the outfield playing time? It's it's not an easy answer when you've got four guys for three spots. You have Christian Yelich, you have Jackie Bradley Jr., you have Lorenzo Cain, and you have Avisail Garcia. Now, when the season gets started, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue because you got a couple banged-up guys. First off, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, he had a bit of a wrist deal here in spring. Recently, uh, President of Baseball Operations David Stearns gave a bit of an update. I think that's probably still a little bit TBD. We're hopeful and probably, I'd say, optimistic that he's going to be good to go for opening day, but we, we need to see how these next couple days go, how he feels, how many at-bats we can really realistically get him and then go from there but i'm saying i'm optimistic but we haven't uh we haven't made a firm decision there yet and questions about lorenzo kane as well because he did not play all of last season he was a little bit slow getting going and uh it according to stearns it does feel like kane is getting a bit more comfortable every day that goes by for low this was probably a camp where i think he wanted to get as many plate appearances under his belt and as many opportunities in center field under his belt as possible, and, and we just haven't been able to, to get there. But I think I think Lowe is is kind of incrementally feeling better here, getting more comfortable in the outfield. Hopefully, that's that's enough to get him ready. Now, as we sit and talk, it, it would appear that each of those guys are going to be on the opening day roster. That doesn't mean they're going to be playing every day. And I would think, especially with Lorenzo Cain, it, it might be a point now where you try to get as much out of him in as little time as possible. And what I mean by that, we used to have this conversation all the time about Ryan Braun. I always made the argument that you get more out of Braun having him play 110, 120, knowing that he was going to have a couple 
injured listants over the course of the year. You give them those days off. You don't have them play the day game after the night game or that night game before the day game, whatever it was, and you just keep them healthy. And I heard it from from people all the time. I were, the Brewers are paying this guy this much money. He needs to be in the lineup every day. Well, just that wasn't that wasn't productive when it came to Braun. What was productive for Braun was for him to get those days off to keep his body as healthy as possible. I don't think we're to that exact same point with Lorenzo Cain, but he just he didn't play last year. He did not play last year, and he's a he's an older guy. So here at the beginning of the season, I would think that they are going to be very liberal in how they use off days for Kane and give him a bunch. Um, we saw it even in he's somebody that I've joked around with this with uh, with Greg Matzik about it because he's somebody that he'll walk. You see him walking, and. He he looks like every muscle, every bone, every tendon is just in pain and not working. And then nine seconds later, he goes to the wall and brings a home run back and makes this spectacular play. But he just he always looks like he's hurting, and he's a little bit older now. So you you massage you you handle the playing time with him early on in the season to get to the end of the year where hopefully he can be an everyday guy and have the kind of impact that you expect him to have. Jackie Bradley Jr., you just got he's got the wrist deal right now, and that's something that he's continuing to come back with, so you'll be careful with that early on. But he's, he's still a young guy who can play every day. But the, the, where, this, where this is going to play out, because early on in the season, there's going to be plenty of playing time for whoever the fourth outfielder is. If you say that the base Brewers lineup is going to have Kane in center, Yelich in left, and then uh, then Bradley in right field, and Gar- uh, Avisael Garcia is your fourth guy. Early on in the season, that's not going to matter. Garcia is going to be playing a ton because you're going to be so slow with Kane, and you're going to be somewhat slow with Bradley as well. I'm going to be most intrigued to see what's going to happen at the end of the season when you want your best lineup in there every single day. You're going back to the Braun analogy. Yeah, you would give Braun a ton of off days through the first two, three, four months of the year, but you wanted his bat in there as often as possible late in the season because we always remember those tight, those huge hits that he would come up with in late August, in September. That's what he did, and you wanted his bat there. So it's going to be. I also think it's going to be really important. And I have every reason to believe that the Brewers are absolutely going to be uh, in contention for a playoff spot, in contention for the division as they do move into August and September. But one of these guys will be asked to kind of take a step back. I think during that time, and maybe not get the playing time that they want. And it's a lot easier to do that when you're 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 playing for something bigger than yourself. You're playing for a playoff spot. And it feels like Garcia would probably be the guy. Garcia was was concerned when they first brought in Jackie Bradley Jr. And when that move first happened, if you remember, conversations were had between Garcia and manager Craig Council. And they came out of that, and evidently Garcia was content and he was happy to hear what the message was in terms of playing time. I don't think this is going to be an issue in the first two months of the season. It could be an issue later in the season, but as they always say, here's the cliche, it's a good problem to have because you got these four guys. Uh, the one thing that you can say for sure, on those days where, say, Bradley's on the bench 
you're going to bring if if you're up one run and it's the seventh or eighth inning, you're getting Bradley out there. He's going to be part of that. You know, we, we talk about sometimes in basketball closing lineups. We don't talk about the, that in baseball very often. But if the Brewers are going to have a closing lineup, the best defensive team that you can have on the field for protecting a very small lead in the final two, three innings, Bradley's going to be out there. Kane's going to be out there. There's going that that's so that's going to present opportunities for these players to play in the same game. That being said, there's a there's a huge difference if you're a guy coming off the bench as a defensive replacement and maybe you get in at bat and a guy who gets the start and gets three, four, five at bats over the course of a game. We move on. Uh Vinny Rotino spent some time with the Brewers, is a uh, Wisconsin guy through and through. He is now going to be part of the television broadcast, and he is going to join us in just a moment as we count down to opening day. Grab your pine tar and stick around. The countdown to opening day continues. This is the countdown to opening day. Counting down to opening day. It's coming up on Thursday. We are oh so close to the start of the Major League Baseball season and the Brewers season beginning Thursday at home at American Family Field. Have you gotten used to saying that quite yet? American Family Field. I I drive by the ballpark coming into the radio station. At first, when I when I saw the American Family Field logo the first time, I saw it at night, and I don't think all the lights were turned on, and I was like, eh. But every time I've driven, like it looks like it's always been there. Now I think that's what I would say. They did a they did a spectacular job at making the signage on the ballpark look like it has always been there, and it's no longer eh for me. Now it's man, that looks good. That looks pretty darn good. We move on. We're very happy to uh, welcome on a guy that you're going to be seeing. On the TV broadcast this year, doing some uh, pregame and postgame work, Wisconsin through and through, and now uh, the next stage of his ba- baseball life is working as a TV analyst. He is former Brewer Vinny Rotino. He joins us right now. Vinny, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, for having me Matt. Um, yeah, no, I'm doing great. Just uh, excited to be part of the, the new broadcast group. Uh, doing some pretty post game work. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, we're uh, we're all trying to get used to saying Bally Sports Wisconsin and not Fox Sports Wisconsin as the uh, the TV side of things uh, going through a rebrand uh, this year. Just take me through. You were uh, obviously you you were playing not that long ago. You did some scouting work, and now you're doing uh, TV work. What was the process like for you to uh, make this move and start doing some work on uh, the television broadcast? Yeah, so uh, I, I finished up playing in 2016. I was in AAA for the White Sox uh, in Charlotte. I transitioned to a scouting role with the Texas Rangers. Did that for four years as a pro scouting, so I would uh, scout professional teams, professional players. Um, I was in charge of four different organizations. But in that role, I got to be really good friends with Brian Anderson's brother, Mike Anderson. He's, he's pretty Pretty high up uh, scout with the Texas Rangers. He's a major league scout. He does a lot of major league work. So, you know, I got to be really good friends. Um, I told him, hey, man, three little girls at home. Tough to be on the road this much. Um, might need to make a change. And he, he kind of mentioned in passing, like, hey, I'm casting. 
any interest in that. I didn't even think of, you know, it being an option for me, to be honest, Matt. But um, so I just kind of like set it aside. I didn't even know like it could be, you know, potentially be if the career still still isn't for me. It's still just like a, a part-time thing. But so anyway, I transitioned into a normal everyday job. I, I, I'm doing a sales role for a biomedical company. And um, um, yeah, I just, I, I missed the game, to be honest. And so I, I reached out to Mike Anderson. And he's like, hey, my brother always thought we'd be good at broadcasting. Could be a good fit. So that's, I just got the ball rolling with Brian. And honestly, I think Brian did most of the work on my behalf in terms of getting me an opportunity to talk to Ken Spindler, the director of broadcast operations for the Brewers. And then I talked to uh, Bally's. Um, I'm not even sure exactly the name it's going to be to be honest with you, Matt. But uh, got in touch with the director there, and, and yeah, and here we are. So, kind of a long-winded version of, of how I got on board, but that's that's where I'm at. Oh yeah. yeah. You're a really cool story because you're a Racine guy. You went to college in Wisconsin. You, you spent some time playing for the Brewers, and now you're part of the TV broadcast. I mean, you talk about a Wisconsin baseball journey. It it doesn't get much better than what you're doing. No, that's, yeah, that's cool that you acknowledge that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think I think it resonates with fans. I mean, look, I'm, I I. I never made millions of dollars playing. Um, I played Racine Kiwana's Land of Lakes baseball against um, probably a lot of your listeners, to be honest. Um, I went to lacrosse. I, I actually did not get drafted. I then went to pharmacy school for one semester. I played on the club baseball team for the, for the Wisconsin Badgers for, for like a game. And so um, I, I forget what happened there. Maybe I, I, I quit and got signed or something. I, I'm not real sure. I only played one game. But, yeah, no, I, I think it resonates with, with uh, fans and um, with listeners and viewers. And I, I just enjoy the game so much that I'm just I'm just glad to be back part of it. And, um, yeah, maybe I have some cool insights. I learned a ton of scouting, I'll, I'll tell you that, Matt. Um, just learned how to evaluate talent, learned about the metric side of the game, uh, to kind of go along with my, you know, kind of my feel for what it takes to make it to the big leagues. I knew I didn't really, I mean, I made it, but I didn't have enough to stay. And so I kind of looked for players that had more than I had in terms of um, not only physical ability, but the kind of the, the, the mental uh, kind of, you know, other, other intangible side of the game as well. So, yeah, no, I think, I think I can bring something to the table here and I'm looking forward to it. You mentioned the scouting and I'm, I love talking to scouts. I spent 10 years doing play-by-play in minor league baseball, and scouts are always around minor league ballparks, and and they're available, and you can talk to them. I can't tell you how many just really cool conversations I've had with scouts and and kind of picking their brain on what they saw. And uh, They see stuff that not only did I not see that I would never be able to see. It's just an incredible skill uh, that's out there. Do you see the baseball? Do you see the game of baseball differently now after being a scout than even how you did as a player? Absolutely, great question and great insight by you, Matt. That um, yeah, it is, and, and I'll tell you what: it, it took me a while to look at the game through those lenses. Um, but yes, I mean, I would. And look, I'm going to have to make an, to be honest, doing the broadcast stuff, I'm going to have to make an adjustment 
in terms of how I view the game now. I have to look at it from the standpoint of what can be kind of valuable in terms of entertainment. You know, like what if someone's watching the game for entertainment value, what are they going to want to hear about a highlight or, uh, you know, uh, about a key moment in the game? Not necessarily. They don't need, they don't need uh, Brandon Woodruff's uh, slider or mechanics being broken down to the T, right? So that's, you're kind of looking at so many things all at once as a scout. You're looking at mechanics. You're looking at uh, mound presence. You're looking at the ability to execute a pitch. You're looking at the first reaction on that ground. While you're watching that, you're watching first reaction on that ground ball or fly ball on the outfield or the infield. Um, you're also looking at swing that the guy took. Uh, and there's so much that goes into it. But, uh, yes, like, you get, you, your brain actually learns how to pick that stuff up if you pay attention and just talking to other scouts and just picking the brains of the good ones. Um, it was a lot like playing, you know, you just kind of like had a, there's a learning curve and you had to figure it out quickly. Um, but I, yeah, that job was absolutely fascinating. And that's a really good insight by you as far as, um, you know, the, the fact that scouts do see the game in a different way, you know, it's, you're watching baseball every single day, um, more than just the season, right? Cause you're, you're going international, you know, or, or you're going to watch amateurs during the, you know, during the winter months here. So it's, I'll tell you what, it, it takes a while to get, not only get those lenses, but it also takes a while to get them back after the off season. Uh, I'll tell you that. Um, takes a few days or at least a week to, to really kind of like hone your, your, what you're watching and, and what you're, you're paying attention to um, after a few days at the ballpark. It's not just going to games and writing some reports and having to stop, stop watching a, in a radar gun. But uh, yeah, no, I, that was a fascinating job. I loved it. And um, uh, it was just too much travel. Vinny yeah. Rotino continues to join us, a uh, new analyst with uh, Bally Sports Wisconsin, what was formerly Fox Sports Wisconsin. You made your major league debut with the Brewers uh, back in, it was uh, 2006 when you uh, when you made your debut. What do you, I, I always love these stories. Tell you, take me through that first yeah. day in. What, do, what stands out? What do you remember from that first day as a big leaguer? Oh, my goodness. First day as a big leaguer. Um, well, first of all, my equipment bag didn't show up until like three days later. So I, I didn't have my glove, my bat, my catch glove, nothing, my catcher's equipment. Um, I had nothing. Uh, so that's what, that's, you know, if that was telling for how the night was going to end, then, you know, that makes sense because I ended up punching out and the game on the line with two outs with 45,000 fans in the stands. But the thing that, the thing that stood out the most to me that that night or that day was how absolutely nervous and how much adrenaline that I had pumping through my veins when I when when my name got called to hit. I, I I'll tell you, I was in the on deck circle. Ned Yo said, "Hey, you're going to hit if uh, I think Jeff Cirillo. If Jeff Cirillo gets out, there's two outs. Yeah, I think Cirillo either walked or got a hit." We're down by one against the Marlins. The playoffs were still kind of in reach. I think the team was like four or five games out or something. Uh, a couple of teams in front. Um, so I was like, I, I, I was swinging a hot bat in Triple um, I thought to myself, I am going to get the game-winning home run right here, or, the, or at least a game-time double. I, I literally believed it because I was swinging such a hot bat, and I was like, this is, you know, I had 
And all my buddies came to the game. They, they made shirts that said Vinny or something on them. And, um, you know, my whole family's there. 45,000 fans. And it was just, like, surreal. So I was like, but I was confident. A little nervous. But then they called my name, Matt. And I, I'm telling you, I wanted to throw up. I couldn't. I, and then I had to remember how to walk. I'm not kidding. I was like, I, I, I forgot how to walk. Left, right, left, right. Because I was, that was there, that much adrenaline. I mean, I can't even describe it. 45,000 fans. Because, you know, I was the local kid. I think there was an article in the front page of the Journal Sentinel that day. Um, and it was just like, so it was like people kind of knew the story. And I was undrafted, went to lacrosse from 20 minutes south in Racine, you know. And I'm telling you, it was so, so, there was so much adrenaline. And, uh, yeah, I ended up, I still thought I was going to, like, get it done. But, uh, yeah, I got rung up on a, on a pitch that was literally, like, an inch outside. And, and it was way too close to take, but I was so angry. <laughs> like, it was Joe Borowski uh, closing for the Marlins at the time. And I was like, I was like, yeah, outside, that was like a foot outside. I looked on videos, like, an inch outside. But, uh, Anyway, that's that was the thing that I remembered the most. How much adrenaline was pumping through my veins uh, once they announced my name? But I wouldn't change it for the world for the world. Obviously, I, I mean it's a great story here, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's why it was valuable. So, yep, absolutely. All right, just a couple things about uh, this club before we uh, let you go. Uh, this, they're relying on bounce backs. Christian Yelich has to have a bounce back. Uh, Avisayo Garcia, Omar Narvaez, Keston Hira to a certain extent. But these are guys who can do it. I'm pretty optimistic about this club and what they can be this year. Where do you stand on it? Uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm in your I'm in your camp. I, I think I think this team is poised for the playoffs and, and and a run into the playoffs. For me, it doesn't. For me, I actually have no concerns about the bat. I'll tell you why. I, I think Christian Yelich just throw last year out out the window. And I, I think we're kind of seeing that in spring training. I think the fact that this guy's a superstar and he needs fans in the stands. He needs something kind of to play for. I mean, look, playing in front of no fans, empty stadium, that, that would have been great for a guy like me, right? Mm-hmm. A guy that's, um, you know, just trying to, like, survive and, you know, doesn't want need that third deck, certainly. But a guy like Christian Yalich, you saw it with a number of players last year, Javi Baez, um, you know, look, a, n- a number of guys struggled last year. I think and that is the reason, like, when you're playing every day, you need that little extra adrenaline for them, and they you, they need that stage. Christian Yelich is a superstar; he needs that stage to play on. I think he, so. Okay, so let's just assume that that's the case. Christian Yelich swinging a hop at he's gonna he's gonna you know the pitchers aren't gonna here's here's my theory on this pitchers when they're scared or kind of worried about you know, needing to get this guy out because Christian Yelich is on deck or in the hole, then they make mistakes. Okay. So when you put pressure on the other team, they make mistakes and then mistakes get. So, so there's that. But then you also have Lorenzo Kane in addition, in my opinion, even, you know, even though he's been with the club, he's signed the contract, but you're adding okay. You're adding Colton Wong. You're adding JBJ. Jackie Bradley Jr. You're adding those three guys to get quality at bats. That's going to put pressure on the pitcher. Guys that spoil pitches, guys that get quality at bats. And again, you have Christian Yelich sitting there behind them, hitting behind. 
Now, Keston Hira, I, like that, that for me means there's a bounce back uh, need there because he hasn't really proved it. He had a great year in 2019, only like I think 340 at bats or something. But um, he hasn't really established himself yet, and I know that Andy Haynes, one of the best in the business, played for him in, in 2015. Absolute one of the best. Um, he he uh, has, he knows what Keston has to do. Keston knows what he has to do. Uh, it's a it's a very slight mechanical thing um, that he has to stay more up. If he does that, I think he's going to drive the baseball and he's going to hit. He's, his his whole issue is not shaking and swinging and missing at those sliders and then the fastballs up. So um, that is a, that is a question mark for me, uh, Keston. But I, I I do believe in Keston here as a talented kid, incredible hand. Um, incredible ability to put the the ball, drive the ball out, especially the right center. So, um, with that said, um, I do think the addition of those three quality at bat type players, I think, I think that's going to help Abby Garcia. I think that's going to help. It's going to help everybody, right? It's going to help Narvaez. Like everyone's just going to get be able to take a deep breath and be like, okay, let's just battle, let's play our game, do what we can do. So that's the offensive side of it. Um, that's long-winded. I don't think you asked me about the other side of it. Well, no, I, I do I'll, think the bats will bounce back, yeah. Yeah, and just I'll get you out of here on this, and it kind of goes back to what you were talking about with uh, with Keston Hira. You played everywhere. You you played all over the field. Sometimes when a guy's going yeah. to a new position, it can affect them from an offensive standpoint. Do you think that's a challenge at all for Keston as he moves over to first base? So two different camps on this. I'm in the camp of I don't. I think it'll help him actually. You know, it, it's really hard to play second base in the major leagues. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, if you remember Ricky Weeks, how much he struggled with the bat when he's learning how to turn. He could turn a double play. Like he was one of the worst in the league. He figured it out eventually, and, and his bat kind of took off, right? And I know that there is a development kind of happening at the same time on both sides of the ball for him. But I do think. Once he got comfortable at second base, he was able to hit. With Keston, let's just take him off second base. I think he, I think personally as a scout, I saw him more as like a, you know, not a second baseman. I saw him more as a left fielder for space. That I think, I think first base, once he gets comfortable, it'll be a relief for him that he doesn't have to worry about playing major league second base. That is a tough position. That's a little bit diamond. Um, I think that'll take pressure off him personally. Now, some people will say, well, that'll put more pressure on the bat because now he's playing first base and those guys got a bang, right? Well, um, I personally think he will, right? And I just think taking the, the defensive, you know, needing to play great second base off of this plate will help him personally. Hey, Vinny, this was a real fun conversation. I uh, look forward to uh, hopefully being in the press box with you uh, this year and uh, officially meeting you at some point real soon. And uh, just going to be fun to see uh, what you're able to do here uh, with the TV broadcast. But thanks so much for uh, uh, taking some time. Really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, likewise, man. Really appreciate having me. Thanks. Vinny Rotino joining us here as we count down to opening day. I'd never talked to him before prior to that conversation. He's uh, he's going to be fun. I 
I broadcast some of his games when he was a minor league guy as a, as an opposing broadcaster uh, when he was at AAA and I was working in uh, AAA, so I knew him from that. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's going to be uh, he the scouting perspective that he brings is really interesting because. He sees stuff that I don't see, that you probably don't see, that a lot of people don't see when it comes to the game. And that's going to be, uh, that's certainly going to be fun to be able to talk with him about those sort of things. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about how the club deals with adversity this year. Because last year, when things went wrong, there wasn't much of a leash. You had 60 games to play, you couldn't let guys really go through a prolonged slump without trying to affect it. In a 162 game season, you have a little bit more time. And I know it's just, well, it's just going back to what it was before, but is it? Or does coming off the 60-game season change the way you do things? I'm not sure, but we're going to discuss it next as we count down to opening day. Patience perseveres. We'll be right back with more of our countdown to opening day. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2, Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studio, this is News Radio WTMJ. Welcome back to our countdown to opening day. For the most part, I'm somebody who just kind of takes what happened last year and just, I throw it out. I don't think it means that much. It was a 60-game season. There weren't fans. You're playing during a pandemic. Like There's just so many things that were off, and you just kind of throw it out. One thing that did change last year, because, it, look, teams were still fighting to get into the playoffs, fighting to try to win divisions. Like, the, the same stakes were on the line at the end of the season, but you had to do things a little bit differently during the year because it was, it was so different. And one of those things was you didn't have as long of a leash when it came to players who were struggling, issues that existed. Brock Holt is kind of the the poster child of that because he got off to a really tough start with the Brewers and it eventually got to a point where they they let him go. Had it been a 162-game season, he would have stayed in the organization a whole lot longer. So I'm I'm curious, and maybe I'm making something out of nothing here. Maybe, and that happens. I have been known to do that on occasion. Maybe I'm making something out of nothing. But I want to watch and see how teams handle slumps and struggles. Is it just right? Is it easy? You you just go back to the way it was in a 162 game season before, where you're going to give guys the rope, the leash, whatever you want to say, or is it some sort of? Has there been some type of change based off the way you had to operate in a 60 game season last year? I can't tell you how often. How how it's it's a very common thing. It happened all the time uh, in a when when we're doing things during a 162 game season. Somebody's slumping, and I'm taking phone calls. I'm getting tweets. I'm getting text messages from listeners saying, "Got to get rid of this guy. Got to release him. Got to bench him. Got to send him to AAA. Why is he even around?" And two months later, the guy's performing at the level that that you expected him to perform. Uh, it, I am hopeful. I am very hopeful that you just kind of go back to the way it was before. Baseball is a marathon. Guys struggle. Guys have slumps. And you work with them to kind of fix it. But that's a that's another aspect that the game was so different in that way last year. And now they've got to sort of revert back 
to uh, to the way it was previously. All right, when we uh, return, we are going to be joined by one of my co-hosts on Brewers Extra Innings, Craig Kashan. He is with us next. It's uh, our countdown to opening day. Stay tuned. The countdown to opening day continues. 